And welcome to Gleaming the Geek. There's no fumbling in baseball edition. I'm uh, John Bonus, Trins Daily, with me, Aaron Gleaming of the Athletic. Oh yeah, there was a football game that you there was to a football in Philadelphia. Game in Philadelphia, I heard they sang you the Barney song because you were wearing a purple Viking shirt. <laughs> they that the guy, uh, yeah, one of the guys, you know, packed line, of course, trying to get in. It was their home opener, so I mean, it could not have been, you know, more crazy more eagles uh centric and uh yeah look behind me so it gave me a little bit of a hard time he started singing the barney song yeah first little, called me barney in my, in my big purple uh in my purple uh polo shirt so let me i'm just gonna say this you don't not look like barney <laughs> no no i, well, I pointed that I mean? out too i said that's actually pretty like <laughs> of all the things in that stadium well someone said <laughs> Well, get me something that looks like Barney. They go well. Bonuses in section. I would. I would also suggest that my attitude was sort of like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you said that, not me. Uh, yeah, you. I don't. Uh, not that I. You guys go to a lot of uh, t- uh, Minnesota sports teams road games. Obviously, right. more. I mean, I never go. Uh, maybe Twins in a few weeks, but we'll <laughs> yeah. see. Yeah, but we'll I see. never. Uh, I. It would never occur to me. I mean, I just don't wear sports stuff like right. clothing that much anyway it'd be funny now to wear like a twin sweatshirt to the twins press box go into the clubhouse wearing like a nice twin sweatshirt anyway but i i wouldn't uh i don't know if it's the guts or i just wouldn't to wear a vikings thing into the eagles uh stadium so you know i was we were talking about it i mean it was a topic of conversation most of the weekend as to you know whether or not to do it and what to do and so on and then yeah. afterwards, afterwards, we were kind of unpacking it a little bit because uh, we'd much rather talk about that than the game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and if, if I was going to write a story about it, there'd be you know, certain rules that you just have to follow. But number one is expect some S talk. Oh, like, yeah. You're just going to get S talk. If, if you're somebody who can't, is going to bristle too much. Right, you can't have a short fuse yes. and wear your team's colors in the opposing team's place. Right, yeah. Because you're asking for S-talk. Yeah. That's what you're asking for. Like, you have that's to, the bare minimum. You have to be able to dodge batteries when, <laughs> when they're thrown at you. Yeah, I mean, and also well, the dynamic, that, uh, I'm sure, changes depending on how the game goes, too, right? So if, yeah, you know, if I, if the if the Vikings are getting blown out, the, there's going to be plenty of S-talk. But they're not going to be like wanting to fight you, right? Unless you fight back. <laughs> right. But if the Vikings are winning, then it's like, well, let's kill Barney. Yeah, we've yeah. been wanting to kill Barney for years. Let's I would also it. say, I would also suggest that the nicer seats you get, uh, the less s talk or the less hostility yeah. you kind of run Where into. Where were you guys? We were we got pretty good seats. Oh, we were, where were at? I don't know. We were thirty rows up, but we were on the lower bowl. We weren't in the upper bowl. So, uh, yeah. So, twins wise. Uh, one of the one of the downsides not downsides but weird sides of i think it's been about two three weeks since we were like it's over yeah right and i know the initial reaction to that was like oh you guys are gonna jinx them or how can you say that no we're not gonna do any of that jinxes are not things that exist and if they do john (laughs) bonus and aaron gleeman certainly do not have the power to wield them Uh, or we'd have done it in the past we'd have jinxed something else I, i try to reverse jinx all the time yeah, I mean, I'm trying to do, I jinx everything in my day-to-day life. I can't <laughs> jinx anything. Uh, 
and but one of the weird things when you declare it over and it was i mean they were they've been 98 percent for 15 games now or whatever is then the next week you're like well now it's re- it's really over and they, then the they, week after that which is like now we're, we're like no like it's like over 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 one, and one one of the other episode names i was gonna say was suggested was uh is this what it felt like to be cleveland last year edition <laughs> Yeah. Where, well, where, this is, yeah. Right. Like it. It's not just. It's not just that you're going to win. It's that everybody else is just falling away. Like, like the like it's the AL Central is not uncommon in the AL Central that it is a war of attrition. Right. That it, that you end up just lasting longer than everybody else. That everybody else gets just enough injuries so right. that you take so that they aren't as they just aren't a capable team anymore. And that has absolutely played out that way this year. And, you know, the Twins have not looked fantastic over the la- over September, but I think, was Cleveland 4-8 and eight or something? Yeah, the Twins have a winning month. record, at least. And they played yeah. a pretty tough schedule up to this point. Now, from this point on, they played literally the easiest schedule in, in all of baseball, by a decent <laughs> margin, too, because, I mean, they just have three games against Cincinnati, and that's it. And then they play the, the worst teams in the league, essentially, down the stretch. The You know you've reached the... Like over, 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 over point. <laughs> I don't know if that's enough. Um, when the magic number can be reached by the team itself without the aid of losses by their opponent. In other words, the Twins' magic number now is eight right. to clinch the division. There's 15 games left as we record this. We're recording this Friday morning. Um, they're probably going to just win eight or more games on their own and it won't matter at all what cleveland does now where it matters what cleveland does is when and where they clinch because they're currently now one game into a seven game road trip right and you know i think there's a decent chance they clinch on the road which uh they're either going to clinch on the road or they're going to clinch like the first or second game back home which i think is against the angels when they return next like in the middle of next week basically uh because here's here's actually going to be my prediction just because this would be the most uh the least satisfying way to clinch they're going to clinch next thursday which is an off day for the twins uh between the road trip and the homestand because cleveland plays baltimore yeah and cleveland will lose that but you know this is all just randomly me trying to do some math here but uh, i personally would like to see what it's like in a clinching clubhouse and wear the poncho and slap some goggles on so the champagne doesn't get in my eyes right. and let uh, any players want to dump something on my head they've been uh, <laughs> wanting to do that probably for a few years that's fine with me and uh but i do think the way things are trending and the way that you know the twins setting up here they got three more against the white Sox than they got three in in cincy i don't know i think there's a decent chance they hit that that magic number before i guess it would have to be before next friday which is when their next home game is but either way uh, maybe, this thing's happening. Cle- unfortunately, Cleveland has a pretty easy schedule too, or maybe for two years you have a be- better chance of it happening at home because Cleveland's schedule is, well, I mean they they do have to face Texas next, which is yeah, Texas not, is on fire again. Yeah, so, suddenly they're, in a suddenly row. they're not don't suck anymore. I guess here's a secret but, though about but, the notion. But they've also of got Cleveland. Kansas City, oh, right? Sorry, but here's a secret about Cleveland having an easy schedule. Cleveland is other people's easy schedule at this point. We talked <laughs> yeah, about that yeah, last right. year with yeah, the Twins. Yeah, Do you remember? Yeah, right. yeah. It got to, you know, a little earlier than this point, but it was like, oh, we're looking at the Twins' schedule. It's pretty easy. And then we reached the kind of uh, epiphany that was like, oh, no, the Twins have become the team that other teams circle yeah. on the schedule as, oh, we'll take two out of three there. We'll feel good about this there. Um, but, yeah, the the uh, 
And it, and and in the, and the Baltimore series they had, uh, you know, which we kind of thought, ah, Baltimore have things sewed up uh, by by then. Yeah, Tampa Bay. Don't. Tampa Bay keeps uh, keeps doing well in this series versus Baltimore. They could actually have a real race here in the AL East to see who ends up getting that first round by. It, I mean, honestly, the Guardians might not finish in second place. They're <laughs> yeah, only right. yeah, you're right. Are they a game out of third place, basically, or a game and a half out of third place. I mean, they're very much closer to third place than they are yeah, first. They're a place. game and a half up on Detroit right now. Right. I mean, <laughs> I'd still, I guess, bet on the Guardians at this point to be better than Detroit, but. That that kind of speaks to, I mean, that's right. what happened to the Twins last year, basically. Right. You go from thinking you're in a fight for first, right? and the Guardians were leading the division at the All-Star break, by mm-hmm. the way, by a half game, because the Twins really fell apart there at the, the last few, I don't know. That last game, series versus Baltimore, Baltimore. mostly. Yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of similar to what we saw from the Twins last year, and we're seeing it from the Guardians this year, which is you had the lead at the break. You kind of got to late August in a good spot if you're the Guardians, and then it just, the wheels came flying off and it's not that they're as banged up as the twins were but they're without bieber they're without mckenzie uh but they're i mean they're, they have one of the worst records in the league since the all-star break essentially and the twins have i think the fourth best record uh in the american league since the all-star break and that's the whole thing i mean the twins were a half game back at the all-star break and the twins are going to end up winning this thing by 10 games right. i think uh eight to ten games let's call it yeah. and that's very similar to what we saw last year from the from the twins and the guardians and so it's it's I like it better on this side uh, <laughs> yeah, of the, yeah, of the yeah, aisle, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's it's a familiar thing, and it, it is sort of what you just said, which is it was never the greatest race in terms of, uh, oh, well, these runners are going to set record times right. or anything. It was kind of a light jog towards a weird finish line, yeah. and then the Twins just kind of never really stepped it up that much, started jogging a little bit harder, <laughs> but they just kept kind of looking to their side, looking to the left, looking to the right, yeah. and all of a sudden there was nobody there. Yeah. And then you look behind you, and it's just like a, a battlefield of, of fallen soldiers, like you said, and it's, I, I don't know, you you can still uh, coast across the finish line, and I think we're kind of, we hinted at this going back a couple of weeks too, but we're starting to see this. Carlos Correa gets back-to-back days off. Bailey Ober is now going to make a spot start today. Uh, and they're basically pushing everyone back in the rotation. This would have been Lopez's turn, I think, but they want to give everybody an extra day. Uh, it's possible Ober stays and they just go to a six-man rotation, but I'm not sure about that. But the, the purpose of this is what we talked about, which is what are the what are the benefits right. of you know all but clinching a division like this three weeks out? And one of the benefits is. You can not care about these. Keep your powder dry. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. You know, you still have to take care of business, which the Twins have done and the Guardians have done for them on the opposite side. But it's there's no, you know, if you can sit Carlos Correa, uh, half the remaining games and have him be one percent healthier uh, for Game One of the playoffs, that is an easy trade off. You know what I mean? Because these games, yeah, you'd like to win games, you'd like to see Correa get hot, all that stuff. But if you know, taking five extra games off leads to the twins losing a game or two more in the regular season. That has no effect on anything. And if it theoretically has him any, any stronger mentally or physically, and you know, you don't know that part, but that's clearly what they're going for here. And I think right. you're going to see like when Correa didn't pinch hit. Yes. In the ninth on, inning. Uh, what was it? Wednesday? Wednesday? Yeah. Or th- I think yeah, it was Wednesday. Wednesday. And I mean, I we asked afterward, and Baldelli was like, oh, I wanted to give him a full day off. And he said, essentially, I don't have the quote in front of me, but expect to see that with other guys, too, at this point. Right. Yeah. And he didn't link that 
specifically he to didn't their say because Cleveland ain't coming to get right. us. He didn't, he I mean, didn't, he, he, is, didn't, he didn't stick the knife in or anything. Right. But, but yeah. I'll say that. Uh, <laughs> and when when you start calling up guys from AAA that you demoted to the minors three weeks ago in Bailey Ober, and you're just kind of inserting them in the rotation and pushing everybody else back a day or two, right. that's the same purpose. That's the starting pitching version right. of giving guys a few days off. And I will say Baldelli is the opposite of that in terms of, I mean, he's starting to get asked, and I'm sure in Chicago, I'm not there, but he'll be asked even more now. You know, are you guys looking ahead or have you started to plot out playoff rosters and all? And he will not go down that uh, path even a step. Like yeah. he he rejects the premise of all those and, yep. his, you know, all the cliches of we got to win tomorrow. He's not going to anger the baseball gods. He's not going to no. attempt the baseball gods. Yeah. Right. And I don't blame him for that, obviously. Sure. But we say this a lot with the twins and it's true of a lot of things in life, which is, you know, what people say matters. But what people do will tell you more. And they can say every game is important now, and they can say we're not looking ahead to the playoffs, and we're not, you know, uh, what, counting chickens before they're hatched, all this stuff. But if you give Carlos Correa 72 hours off and you put Bailey Ober into the rotation and you push everyone back and you, you know, don't pinch hit some guys who might pinch hit, or maybe you don't go Duran back-to-back, which is how Griffin Jacks ended up in the ninth inning of that game two days ago because Duran had pitched, I think, 10 pitches the day before. And, you know, you can start to see even some other subtle things, too. Those are that's far more powerful in terms of showing you or telling you than any words they could say. And so that's kind of, I think, where they're at. And it's not a surprise. I mean, we kind of expected this coming, but we're seeing it now. And so I know it's uh, for the for the for the section of the fan base and media sometimes uh, who are fully committed to just complaining no matter what, <laughs> these are going to be a difficult couple of weeks because you yeah. can't really, you can continue to pl- complain about the present. You can go, well, why didn't they pinch hit Correa? That was a winnable game. and all. Right. But a, a lot of your audience for those complaints, if they're not already tired of the complaints, are just going to go, well, yeah, who, who gives a ass? <laughs> right. Like, yes, what, right. what do we, now, right. you can save all that complaining for two weeks from now and then unleash it if they lose a playoff game <laughs> yes right. we know that'll happen but yeah it's it's a weird it's a weird time the the games matter and you want to keep performing well and you want to literally clinch the thing you don't want to leave it up to 99.9 percent for that long right um but beyond that it's just you're just kind of going through the motions here you're just trying to stay you don't want to get any less healthy than you are now and in the twins case which we'll talk about here in the minute you got some key guys who are on the verge of either rejoining you and being kind of integrated back into the the mix here in time for the playoffs, especially in the bullpen, right. or not rejoining you and you just sort of cross them off the list and, and right. they're no longer a factor for this season or maybe beyond. So those are the kind of what hangs in the balance here. Yeah, what, one of the no- one of the big stories over the next or one of the things I guess to track, even more so than, you know wins and losses even is just usage you know right. how how let how many pitches do they let Maeda throw who comes in to to you know pitch this particular situation who's uh, who's got the day off and they don't show up in a pinch hitting role uh you know which uh which reliever you know that the I'll, I'll mention it again twins daily has a daily recap of the game and, and at the bottom of everyone is what the reliever usage was and how many pitches they threw yesterday and how many pitches they threw the day before that etc it's great when the games actually matter to take a look at that and say, okay, well, here's the guys that are available or probably aren't available, or here's the guys who are going to be of limited use today. But it's also really handy right now when you're trying to kind of figure out, well, 
you know, it's interesting. They had a one run lead here or they had a tie game and they chose to go this direction as opposed to that right. direction. And a lot of times I'm, it, <clears throat> we talked a fair amount on the Patreon on Wednesday about, you know, the, or maybe it was, maybe it was Monday about, you know, of the areas of the team that we had got concerns about going into the postseason, the number one is probably the bullpen. They haven't sorted out exactly who in the bullpen is, and we don't see the kind of quality or dominance that, that frankly, a postseason team often needs when uh, going through that, and that they're going to have to sort through a bunch of stuff here over the last two, three weeks. And a lot of that is going to be, you know, deduced from how they end up using the bullpen. So Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think it's, it's an interesting mix. I, I agree with all that. Uh, and people should sign up for the Patreon at this they, point. They should. They two should. weeks down the stretch into the playoffs, yes. it'll cost you about five bucks for all that. We have more uh, people on the Patreon than we've ever had before. Is that what you told yes. me? You, you track all at, the statistics? Yeah, we're very close to you guys. If you go sign up, if you've been on the fence, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash gleam, and they're a dollar an episode, and if we don't put out an episode on a day, you don't get charged. Right. Uh, we're very close to getting to 4,000 subscribers on the Patreon, right. which yeah, i right. can tell you that our actual goal was 300 right uh when we started it this, this is, is about one of those things, we, we only get twelve thousand downloads on the free episodes folks so that <laughs> right. you, know, you you take a look one to your left and one to your right yeah one of the three of you is already on the patreon and maybe you might want to join the join the party i had a teacher in my freshman year some kind of english class he had everyone it was like a lecture he had everyone stand up and he said look to your left and look to your right and one of those two people or one of you three will not make it to graduation. And I, I thought, little did you think it was you? No, I did kind of think it was going to be me. I was like, <laughs> I don't know why I'm here to begin with. But I thought, <laughs> what an overly dramatic thing in a freshman English comp class. Right. Like. <laughs> yep. But not overly dramatic is that you should be joining the Patreon. Get us to 4,000. 3,000 is like, okay, that's an exclusive club, the 3,000 hit club. 4,000, though, is just, you know, that's Pete Rose different. territory. Yeah. That's why, well, yeah. Pete Rose type cop. Not maybe not the greatest guys to be with necessarily but uh but yeah we with the bullpen it's it's a mix of things because you're gonna see the established guys the guys they know they're gonna want to pitch in key spots in october which is you know duran right jacks theobar pagan those four i would say i would bet you're not gonna see back-to-back usage of them much if at all and yet there are some other guys, Louis Varlin, for instance. Yeah. They might want to actually do some dress rehearsal with him right. and find out, well, what actually does happen if we try to pitch him in back to back? Because he's never done that before. He's a week into right. being a relief yeah. pitcher, basically. Right. Exactly. Right. And so you have a mix of those two things, which is the guys who have proven themselves and the guys you know are going to be at the top of the pecking order for the playoffs. You want to scale back their usage and specifically back to back or three out of four or whatever it is, or even just going more than an inning. You don't want them doing that. But then there's some other guys, you know, Louis Varlin, maybe when Chris Paddock returns, they're about to get uh, Brock Stewart potentially back. And it's the same thing as like those guys still have to kind of pass some tests, not only in terms of stuff and effectiveness, but just if you pitch on a Tuesday, if you pitch 18 pitches on a Tuesday, how do you show up Wednesday afternoon for the game? Like, are you available? Are you 80%? Are you completely off limits? And so it's going to be a weird mix of those things. It does kind of work out because as you scale back, the usage of some of your high leverage relievers, that means there those opportunities, those innings that have been scaled back or those high leverage appearances need to go to someone. And it's like, well, okay, we'll give them to Brock Stewart and Louis Varlin and Chris Paddock and I don't know, Kyle or uh, Cody Funderburk and, and who knows. So a couple of those guys, they need to get back healthy still, which we're going to talk about in a second. But I had one other 
I have like a, I always have an intro, like hit this stuff right off the top. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't know that we ever quite get to it, but, uh, <laughs> oh, Baldelli is likely leaving the, I mean, he is leaving the team this weekend at some point because his wife's going to give birth to twins here very, very, very soon. Uh, oh, so wow. that's another interesting, <laughs> uh, interesting timing on that. That's probably a, that's not a that's, a, that's not exactly when you're going to have kids if you just as the beginning of the postseason run. But. Yeah. <laughs> you start to do the math on that. Yeah, I probably didn't think about that back in January. I was in an elevator. I won't <laughs> say who it was, but I was in an elevator with an ex-player, like a, a couple, like last homestand, right. and uh, they were talking about something. And the the player said, "Yeah, I got, I got, uh, I don't know, six kids, and uh, five of them were born in the same month, <laughs> or five of them were born in July." And I went, I was, and he, and he looked at me and he goes, I see you trying to do the math on that. <laughs> and I go, you're right. I am trying to do the math on that. And he goes, yeah, I was, I used to get real excited when the season ended because <laughs> it was nine months. Oh, Finally okay. get to sleep in. My- <laughs> yeah. To the math on that. It was funny. Uh, before, the, uh, we, before we get into any other topics, let's do quickly cover just a couple of sponsors. Okay. Okay. Uh, Cause we got, got a few, few to hit today. Uh, starting with Harry's razors. Um, Harry's razors not only not only revolutionized the industry with uh, you know this delivery of uh, razors for half the price and you know quality razors five blades, uh, great packaging etc. But they also continue to do continue to improve things. Their latest they've got this crafted uh, razor handle set, and uh, I saw it and uh, as I sometimes do about every uh, year or two with Harry's razors, I upgraded. I decided to get it. I wanted to have that. Uh, you know, sitting in my in my bathroom instead of the old one I had, and then I took the old one. And in this particular case, I uh, I brought turned it into my travel uh, razor, which is nice to have here while I'm in Philadelphia. In the past, I've given them to Chrissy and said, "Hey, you want to try using Harry's razors?" I give them to my son, who's now left the house. Uh, both kids are gone now. I can't give them the Harry's razors anymore. <laughs> but uh, you know, I would I would suggest you go out to uh, Harry's.com and check out their new crafted razor set. Yeah, it comes with a craft handle. Five blade German engineered razor cartridge. You get shaving gel with it, and then also the travel case or cover, which, uh, like you said, I'm always impressed. They always, you know, once in a while they'll send us the new, the new samples to look at before we do a new ad for it, and uh, they're always. I always say it makes me feel like Don Draper. <laughs> like it makes me go, "Ooh, I'm gonna shave today." Like before I go to the office or something. Uh, and you can get all of that. It has a seventeen dollar value, the craft handle starter set, and you can get it for just ten bucks. If you go to harrys.com slash Gleeman, that's harrys.com slash Gleeman, H-A-R-R-Y-S.com slash Gleeman. Elevate your shave with the latest and greatest in Harry's razor handle lineup today. Yeah. And next, uh, you know, I know it still feels like summer there in Minnesota, but I think we're kind of starting to see the leaves change a little bit. And that suggests things are going to get a little cooler. And uh, when you're going to those twins postseason games in the first week of October, uh, you know, you might not want to wear the T-shirts that you previously bought at Soda Stick because you're going to be cold, <laughs> you know, especially if they make a, a deep run. But fortunately, just in time for fall, Soda Stick has also come out with a whole bunch of new vintage fleece sweatshirts. They've got a crew neck. They've got a hooded sweatshirt. And it's all of their uh, biggest, best-selling designs, uh, including, you know, I got blown out of the dome. Uh, one, that's a good baseball or a good, right. uh, good uh, baseball one. They uh, also have a uh, row the boat collaboration uh, yes. with pj fleck for the yes. fans out there which has hoodies and, and crew nubs crew necks in there uh soda stick 
uh, is the name soda, like Minnesota. You can go to sodastickco.com or just Google soda stick uh, and they'll show up. And uh, if you use the promo code Gleeman, you will get 15% off whatever your order is just in time. Like John said, to load up for some new gear uh, for the playoffs. That's right. Okay. Um, It's also nice. Now, maybe it was just the White Sox yesterday, but to see <laughs> the three rookies back to to yeah, leading the charge. I know. Again. I know. Uh, Walner especially had kind of gone into a yeah. funk. Yeah. They benched him for a day and kind of said, you know, we were whichever the last the game before he got benched, which was like three or four games ago, whatever post game. And we go into the clubhouse. He was when we walked in, he was sitting with David Popkins, the the hitting coach. Uh, looking at an iPad in by the indoor batting cages, and then we did interviews with multiple people. And then when we were leaving, he was still sitting uh, with David Popkins, looking at an iPad, and he was just shaking his head over and over. And you could just tell from his his body language during the game, he was just so frustrated. He was swinging through high fastballs, just pitches that I'm sure he spent his right. entire life destroying. Right. And all of a sudden, for a, a couple of weeks there, he hadn't. And so the Twins thought. Well, we're going to work on some things mechanically, which is we saw the start of that when we walked in. But then, you know, also just a little bit of a mental break, just a little bit of a reset. And he gets back in the lineup, hits uh, hits some balls hard, has some has some balls find holes, and you know his player type. We've talked about this before with with guys like Gallo or Sano or Brent Rooker, or just the high strikeout guys. You're more prone to slumps just because right. you're you're putting fewer balls in play, and the fewer balls in play, the fewer you know, lucky or fortunate hits you're going to get. I mean, Matt Walner has to sting a ball to get a hit. Right. He's not going to be, you know, Luis Arise puts the ball in play a million right. times. He's going to pick up a dozen hits a year just because the ball was in play and they're hard to field. Uh, it's not going to happen for Walner. But the one thing I will say, and Baldelli talked about this too, with Walner, he went through a, I don't know, 50-something at-bat stretch where he hit 140 or something with a right. lot of strikeouts, which not great. But he drew a lot of walks during that time, too. And I think that it wasn't so much that the quality of the at-bats yeah. suffered. He was still getting deep counts. It was just he wasn't pouncing on the one or two pitches per at-bat that you're going to get to pounce on. And he was also probably them, maybe getting less of those pitches. You know, that, maybe. I mean, on, on, top, on top of all the other stuff, like just the natural, you get some natural slumps, right? I, well, let's not forget, you know, it's less it's less pronounced than it used to be. But the major league season is longer than the minor league seasons. They're getting, you know, towards the end of a season where, you know, about this time he's usually looking to kind of wrap up his year, right? St. Paul isn't playing a lot longer. Double A has already uh, been, you know, in the in the or high A ball has already been in the postseason and such. And then on top of that, like the league is a, is able to make adjustments to him too, right? <laughs> you know, I mean. It can be one of those things where you know suddenly they're not challenging you as much because they know what you can do. They're probing around the edges. They're you know nibbling here or there. Or they're trying to get you to chase something away, something like that. You've got to make adjustments to your swing. You've got to make adjustments to your approach. And you know, especially when things came, I don't want to say things came easy, but they came. Uh, it, everything worked early on, right? It can be hard to okay now the they're approaching me differently. And you know you you might be resistant to making some of those changes because everything was working. You don't want to screw with what was working, and so yeah, I, I think it's been you know sort of a blessing that all these young players we've kind of watched them develop. But part of the develop and and that they're you know they're 
better, seemingly going to be better and better hitters. The longer they're in the majors here, the more they get used to things. So where they were in May or June or July, when we, when they first called up, they should be at a better place in September, but that is not a smooth incline into productivity. That is a, that is a, that is a, that is a, um, a journey that go has its ups and downs and it's it's dips and it's not uncommon that after you know two three months in the majors they end up having you know a setback and you know and and un, you know unfortunately that seems to be happening right here around the postseason so i don't know uh yeah i mean julian also had a stretch although again yeah. julian similar to what right. i said with walner he's drawing a billion walks i mean right. when his slump if you look at like julian's worst slump of this season has been he he also is back on track and hitting the ball hard. Had a couple of homers. Continues to draw walks. I think some of that was tied to the fact that he's been playing on one leg here with a hamstring yes. injury. Yep. Uh, but it's hard to with Julian, especially. I mean, he had I don't know fifty at bats where he hit one sixty five. That's not good. He struck out a lot. A lot right. of you know swinging and looking, and yet you look at his on base percentage during that quote unquote slump and it's you know 408 or something like that and it's like right, yeah well yeah i mean that's just the slump in terms of hitting the ball hard but the beauty of a skill set like julian's and to a lesser extent walner and actually royce lewis has been drawing walks too some of that might just be because people are f- afraid of him now but i do yeah, think yeah. he's been showing uh he's been laying off some some breaking balls you know on one two 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 three two that type of thing and that uh, answers one of the questions that we had even when he when he, when he was yep. doing well by the way you know he yep. was I not mean, drawing walks he was striking out he just happened to still be hitting everything in the world and we we're kind yep. of like yeah, what happens when that turns well so i mean I, I think yeah what you said is here's like if a if a rookie comes up which all three of these guys did right and has immediate success and you look at them and they got a, a 950 ops you say to yourself well that's amazing they're not going to have a 950 OPS forever. Right. And even if they settle in as an 800 OPS or even an 850 OPS guy, well, how are they getting from 950 now to 825 right. in the future? Well, there's going to be a, some slumping there. You got to have a stretch where you have a 600 OPS in there. Right. And so the fact that those are coming, you know, that's that's natural. I think they will exploit, pitchers will exploit your weaknesses. And that doesn't mean those are career long weaknesses. They don't even mean they're you know, rest of the season weaknesses. It's just when you start to get a hundred plate appearances in the majors or even at triple A at this point, they can scout you with data, right? They go, well, okay, this guy hasn't crushed high fastballs. So we're going to throw him high fastballs until he crushes <laughs> right. them. Right. Or this guy, if you get him to two strikes, never throw him a fastball, throw him changeups. Right. And it doesn't mean you can't do that. It just means you have to do it before they're going to change their scouting report and it's you know it's a it's a it's a fluid situation and so i think you know royce hasn't really slumped much at all no i mean that's what's been so remarkable about his comeback from from the two torn acls i mean he's been carrying them of late too julian slumped in the sense that he was banged up and he wasn't hitting the ball for for power but he was drawing a trillion walks and now he's back to hitting the ball for power and then walner you know had the probably the lengthiest or ugliest slump in there and because he's the lesser of those prospects in terms of like hype and all that. And because he strikes out the most and just what he is a big hulking slugger that you look and you go, Oh, right, is this right. guy going to be, you know, Joey Gallo again, that, that raises concerns. But, you know, I think he's had some better at bats of late. And I, yeah, like you said, I mean, it, you want a guy to just have a nine fifty OPS for his whole career from day one to day thousand or whatever, but that's not, that's not how it goes. And so I, I think this is an interesting little opportunity to go along with what we said about giving guys rest, dialing back to high leverage 
reliever usage and trying to mix and match some things and find out about some things. The other thing you're going to find out is how does Matt Walner enter the playoffs? Does Matt Walner enter the playoffs on a good stretch or a bad stretch? Is Royce Lewis still on fire? Is Ed Julian, you know, all this stuff. And so every sign that I've seen, even during some of these slumps, I think has been so encouraging from these three rookies. And I just, we've talked about this, but I think people are going to look back on this, you know, rookie hitting class here and go, well, we knew they were good, but man, this is a, a real rarity yeah. for a to lead a team in the second half into the playoffs. Three guys who all came up midseason and all just, you know, have a 850, 900 OPS or something like that. So uh, they just made the Bailey Ober move official. Okay. So he'll who did start they tonight. Uh, Brent Hedrick, Hedrick goes yeah. back down. I, to, I uh, guess as much seeing to as triple last night. Yeah. Uh, in addition to the rookies, let's, there's a couple other lineup things that we can touch on. So since we last did the, this show Friday, uh, Kirilov returned and oh, Joey wow. Gallo for about the umpteenth time, uh, avoided being designated for assignment <laughs> or released by going on the injured list with a sore, I want to say left foot. Doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> you know, we, I, I know that frustrates people in the moment they saw that and they go, Oh, they still won't cut Gallo. You're absolutely right to be frustrated of the idea. Why is why did Joey Gallo make it into September on this team? But once you make it into September, and I think they placed him on the IL on the ninth or something like that, ninth or tenth. There's no functional difference between cutting a guy and placing him on the IL. It's too late for him to latch on elsewhere for a playoff team because he's not eligible for the playoffs. You've paid him, you know, you're paying him point, either way because nobody's yeah, I mean, picking you, him up, right? Right. You're, you're paying him the money anyway, and if anything. You at least now have him as a, well, if 10 guys get hurt between now and October 3rd, he's at least somebody that we can activate for the playoffs. I don't expect him to be on the playoff roster. I've gotten no indication that the Twins uh, expect him to be on the playoff roster. But, you know, he's not a, he's not a, I mean, you saw the opposite with Josh Donaldson and the Yankees, right? Which is once they decided they weren't going to play Josh Donaldson in September, they wanted nothing to do with Josh Donaldson being around the team in September. Because, you know, well, fill in the blank there. That's not the case with Gallo. They have no problem with Gallo. I saw him the other day. He was taking balls at first base. He was trying to do some running, uh, you know, in, in his mind. And I guess in in their mind, too. The goal for him is be 100% for the playoffs. And, and who knows you what never happens know. You never know. at that point. Uh, and, 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 it, and I think he's scheduled for a rehab assignment next week, right? Or yes. They're talking Basically, about a rehab assignment in St. Paul. Right? Yeah. Everybody. So today. Let's see. Brock Stewart and Nick Gordon are starting rehabs with St. Paul with the Saints in I think they're in Iowa, I want to say. Okay. Uh with Gordon, I would expect it to be a pretty lengthy rehab. I think he'll probably play I mean the the Saints regular season ends I think the 24th, I want to say something like that. Uh so there's like a week and change left. I would okay. expect him to be with the Saints for the rest of that. Uh with Brock Stewart, I think the plan is He's going to pitch once tonight, which is Friday. Then he's going to pitch Tuesday, which the Saints will be back home Tuesday. It probably would have been Monday, except AAA is off Monday always. Uh, so Friday, Tuesday. And if that goes well, you could see him back with the Twins, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, something like yeah. that. Next Wednesday, next Thursday, something like that. And that's in time for I the think, next homestand. Yeah. Yeah. In time for the next homestand. And then from there, it's. They're going to try to give him a few appearances. They're going to see where he's at. They're going to maybe work him once back to back just to find out if he can do that. Uh, Chris Paddock made another start at double A. I think he's about to rejoin or join the Saints is my guess. 
Uh, and then there was one other. Oh, and then uh, Michael A. Taylor. I talked to him the other day. Right. He might not even go on a rehab. If he does, it'll be very short. Uh, but he's, I think, real potential to come off the IL during this road trip. And I, in fact, I wouldn't be shocked if it's in Chicago the next couple of days. I mean, he's basically good to go from his hamstring injury. So that's kind of the, other than Buxton, that's the the state of the injury. With Buxton, they're in a holding pattern again. Uh, he was he played a game and a half. Yeah, he's been out now for I don't know ten ten days or something like that. It's been two weeks. It's two weeks as of today. Okay, uh, he's not been cleared to resume a rehab. We talked to Nick Paparesta, the Twins trainer. Let's see, three days ago, uh, and he basically said, I still think Buxton's going to play again this season. Uh, now, whether that's on a rehab assignment, right. in a playoff game, whatever, who knows? And he's got 17 days. Like, he's got right. two weeks plus another weekend to kind of pull it together. But, but yeah, the, the idea that they had maybe three weeks ago, which was, boy, we'd love him to be a factor in center field. We'd love to be able to play him a half dozen times down the stretch right. in center field to get a sense of that. Well, now they've gotten to the, I mean, the, the timing has just evaporated on them basically, or this, you know, the, the window, I think now they're just at the point where it's like, we'd like them to get back on a rehab, play a few games, not have the same knee trouble that stopped the rehab. Like you said, two weeks ago. And, you know, if we can throw them out there once in center field, that'd be great. But now it's more a question of, is he literally, can he literally be an option of any kind? for a for a playoff roster forget the oh maybe he can play center field in two games or something like that now it's just can he be on the roster can he be a dh or a pinch hitter or a pinch runner or is he an option once or twice in center field something like that i think i don't know i'm one of the things that we talked about on I'm the Patreon, skeptical. Yeah, one of the things that we talked about on the Patreon last week, we got Patreon. We have a lots of we have mailbag episodes, right? Where people can write in their uh, their questions. One of the mailbag questions was sort of like, what bench roles are super valuable? Would be super valuable for the Twins. What should they? What should they? Ideally, what would they have on their bench? Well, I mean, everybody wants some speed, right? To be able to mm-hmm. to be able to. Uh, work their way around the bases when they need to absolutely score a run. If somebody gets on base, you want to put in a pinch runner and have them work them their way around the bases. And in the twins specifically could really use somebody who's got a right-handed bat, a big right-handed bat that yeah. can damage left-handed pitching. Now, you know, Buxton hasn't been particularly good against left-handed pitching this year, but he, he's got a track record of being pretty good against left-handed pitching. And you, know, you would be hard pressed to, to have a better bench, player than a right-handed slugging right. speedster <laughs> you know that that's that's something that could be of real use as a key piece on a playoff roster a postseason roster so yeah the fact that he's not going to be coming back and playing center field i know uh, there's a lot of people disappointed about that i think there's a lot of people just angry about it um yeah, you know that, that that's 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 i think that's more about them than it, than it is about nothing nothing creates them. anger in sports fandom more than injuries, injuries that's i mean right. we've talked about this going back to joe mauer and justin morno and and buxton obviously and the twins have had so far more than their fair share of significant injuries to impactful players and some and, ugly and, situations but and, and i think there's going to be you know some legitimate questions about whether or not he even resumes a role and as a dh uh, mm-hmm. On this team, and certainly, certainly, whether or not he resumes that role as a DH versus right-handed pitching, he's not. I can tell you that right. Uh, now. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I agree. That with ain't you. gonna happen. But that's still there's still 
a role that he fit, fits into on this roster that could be, you know, pretty significantly valuable in the right situation. And you know, yeah, I mean, th- we've those seen tend to, those tend to those tend to situations tend to come up in the postseason pretty regularly. Most likely, they're going to face a right-handed starting pitcher in Game One of the playoffs, October third, Target Field. It's going to be against probably the third place team in the uh, AL West. It will not be Could, Max Scherzer, by the way. Right, he's out. Yep. Uh, you know, I. If Buxton is on the playoff roster, which again I'm somewhat skeptical of, but if Buxton is on the playoff roster, I don't think he's going to be starting that game. But if you go, if that guy goes five innings and then the opposing manager puts in a left-handed reliever in the sixth inning, and it's Kirloff or Julian or Walner or right. you know who knows, and there's two guys on base with one out or something, you can go, oh, man, this would be a spot to try to break the game open here, and you know Baldelli is not afraid to to push that button. Right. Yeah, in the fifth, sixth, seventh inning, certainly in the eighth or the ninth inning, and right now, that first guy off the bench would probably be Jordan Luplo, who yeah. the only reason Jordan Luplo is in the majors is because he hits left-handed right. pitching. So yes. there's nothing wrong with pressing that button. Right, but you know, if you have any confidence whatsoever in Byron Buxton uh, being able to do yeah. that, well, that's that, he's at a completely different level than that. But the one question I have that, you know, if you pinch hit Jordan Luplo for Matt Walner in the seventh inning, yeah. you can keep Luplo the game. Luplo can just go play left right. field and yeah, actually right. is, a, yeah. I would say, probably certainly not a downgrade. He might be a slight upgrade <laughs> right? Uh, over, although I think Walner's played better in, in the last few weeks. But my question is like, okay, so Buxton pinch hits for a lefty or whatever. I don't know that he's going to go play the outfield. He could, I guess. Right. And and if he's, but if he can't, then you have to burn two spots right. to make that but, one but, move. But we should mention on postseason roster, you're going to have more than just 13 position players. Yes. You're going to have maybe 15 or 16. Position well, players. I would hope I, I have an article up this morning with Dan Hayes where we kind of went back and forth debating what the roster should be or projecting. And yeah. I guess I'm, I'm at the far end. You might be sort of there with me. I looked uh, most teams since this switch of format, a playoff format where it's a three game opening series have used a 14 position player, 12 pitcher. Really? uh, For for the three game set? Yes. Now it's only, what do we got? There's only eight series or something ever in this format. So that's true. uh, The ones that haven't have generally been a 15, 11 hitter pitcher. Okay. Now, during the season, it's been 13-13 for the Twins, and right now it's 14-14. Uh, I'm of the belief that like, if, I, if, you, if I'm if i making out a roster, unless you're really in some interesting circumstances where you're just so heavy on great relievers and you just don't have good bench bats or whatever it is, I think I would – my default might be 16-10, and I certainly wouldn't go beyond 15-11, 15, 15 position players and 11 pitchers just because – you need three starting pitchers. You don't need other starting pitchers unless they're going to be in the bullpen. Right. And when I say be in the bullpen, I don't mean like a break glass in case of emergency thing, because who cares about that? Right. I mean, like you might actually pitch them in a in a spot that matters. And if you have three starters, even with a 15-11 breakdown, which is essentially two extra hitters than you've carried the whole season, that means you have eight relievers. Yeah. And for a three game, it's just essentially a, a normal regular season series, three games in three days. That's all it is. Uh, yeah. You need eight relievers for that, or you need more than eight relievers for that. So if now Dan, I'm, I make the case for 16, 10, but I don't think that's how the twins would lean. I'd actually think they're more likely to go 14, 12 than 16, right. 10. Yeah, I agree with you. Dan is of the belief and Dan tends to know these type of things that they're going to go 15, 11, which that's fine with me. That would be my second choice, I guess. Yeah. Uh, if it is 15-11, though, you're essentially deciding between Buxton 
for that la- that fifteenth position player spot. Yeah, it's it would be Buxton or Stevenson, or Buxton or Gordon. Essentially, now I would like to find a way to get both on the roster. Now Buxton's health situation might make that a moot point. Right. I mean, a week from now, if he just gets shut down, well, okay, that solved itself. But I- I'm a like you said before we talked a lot about how now you're assuming taylor's back and healthy yes. and roaming center field okay right he will i mean i think i honestly I, think I, taylor's i agree too i would taylor's the same thing right probably going to play before our next episode which is monday on the patreon <laughs> side. Yes. uh but whether in the stay playoffs healthy is, is, is the question. oh yeah that's the other thing <laughs> but in the playoffs roles that for instance a pinch runner over the course of six months and 162 games is largely kind of a wasted roster spot if they can't at least start a couple games a week or be a, a bench bat or something like that but a pinch runner in the playoffs someone like andrew stevenson who's a legitimate you know top of the scale speed guy but also right. yeah. speed is not in it that's valuable i mean nick gordon's fast too right but nick gordon is not nearly the threat of a base stealer in terms of aggressiveness or just frequency as someone like Stevenson or, or Willie Castro, what makes Willie Castro so valuable as a base runner this year? And I think Stevenson has shown the ability to be the same way. Stevenson sold 45 bags at, at triple and he's got three or four steals already with the twins. Right. It's not only that they're fast. I mean, they are very, very fast, which yeah, that helps you. You can score from second on a single, you can score from first on a double, but if you want someone to actually go from first to second on a steal, being fast is only half the equation. The other half is, is this guy going to attempt it? Is this guy going to push it? Right. That's right. And is he I think aggressive that, enough? Right. Right. Yeah. And right. that's what we see with Willie Castro. If you put Willie Castro in as a pinch runner, he's running. Right. And I think we've seen that largely with Stevenson too. And so that so, sometimes, lead, that, by the way, sometimes that means going, you've got to go early in the count. Yeah. First pitch. Yeah. yeah you can't, pitch. you can't yeah. take the chance that those first two pitches are put into right. play. You know, you, you, might, you might have to go before you actually see his move. You might want to go on the first right. pitch. And that's one of the ways I love. I just, one of the things I love watching about, you, know, you see somebody with stolen base totals come up. I do like seeing, okay, is this guy got the cojones <laughs> to, uh, to go on first pitch, you know, to, cause Almost always, they they want a little bit of a break. They want to see the they want to see a move. They want to draw a throw, something like that. Kind of see what's going on. Right. Uh, going on first pitch is, yeah, is more dangerous. You know, because well, and also in part, it, because the pitcher can just waste a pitch, like the beginning of a count. They're not they're not behind in the count. But yeah, going on the first pitch, if you're success, I mean, if you're unsuccessful, it's all a disaster. But right. if you go right. on the first pitch and you're successful, the the real added bonus to that is now the batter who's trying to drive you in from second base has essentially a full at bat here. Right. They're either yeah, right. up one Oh, in which case yeah. great, or they're down Oh one, but, and they still have the ability to fight Recoverable. back from that. Right. That's right. But if you wait until the third, fourth pitch, you might steal second with right. two outs. Yeah. But if the guy's in a one, two count, by the time you steal second, well, it's like, okay, what have you really left on the bone? What kind of meat have you left on the bone for this hitter to do his thing? But so this all comes around to the notion of if it's a 15 position player roster, and Buxton is healthy enough to play. I, that's why I would push for 16 because I really think Andrew Stevenson, and I know there's maybe a case to be made for Gordon, except I, I just, I have no idea what to expect from Gordon. I don't think they do either. He's been out for four months. I will be, and I, I, I think Stevenson specifically, because of what we just talked about. Yes. He's a left-handed bat. I think he's not that much worse as just a left-handed hitter than Gordon necessarily, 
Uh, he had a good season at AAA. He's been in the majors for 250 games. He's like a, you know, low 700, high 600 OPS type of guy. He's a very good outfielder. He's a better outfielder than Nick Gordon. He's a legit center fielder who I think is is excellent in the corners. Nick Gordon's fine in the outfield. But the, the real difference is if you pinch run Andrew Stevenson in a playoff game, he's going to run. He's going to attempt to steal. Whereas if you pinch run Nick Gordon in a playoff game, you're doing it more so to increase his odds of scoring on a hit. But you accomplish both of those things with Stevenson. And so that's why I think if you're going to go with 15 and Buxton's going to be on that roster, you're going to leave off a guy in Stevenson who right. you might say to yourself during the regular season, well, who cares? I mean, he's was he going to get 150 at-bats? He's not much of a hitter. But things become so magnified, the value of going from first to second in this a hand-picked spot in the late innings of a playoff game has such huge value that I really would like to see them find a way to get Castro, who's going to be on the roster, obviously, Castro and Stevenson in, in part because, well, in part because you can use that twice in a game. It's not right. like yes. you can only right. use it once. Exactly right, yes. But in part because I think Castro is going to be more involved in the offense. I mean, Castro might start some games. Castro certainly is going to come in as a pinch hitter or at least get multiple at-bats in games. So you don't want to exhaust your one sort of, uh, you know, put this guy's wheels into play with Castro either at the start of the game or in the middle of the game and then not have that on the bench. Now, I will say if Buxton is healthy enough to play on a playoff roster and he's healthy enough to potentially go stand out in the outfield a little bit, well, he's probably healthy enough to steal a base. I don't know how he'll look after he steals the base. You might have to cart him off from second base, <laughs> but he—I think he is right. nine for nine on steel. I mean, like, yeah, he, he can be—he can be, aggre- be an aggressive right. base runner too, right? And so, you know, that's kind of why I would prefer sixteen. But I mean, then you get into a spot where you're not keeping someone like Paddock, or you're not keeping right. someone like Funderburk, or whatever it may yeah, be. I want to—I want to take a look at the second, yeah, the other side of that in a second. But first, let's cover one another one of our sponsors, BetterHelp. Uh, here's why we like BetterHelp as, as somebody who has personally. Uh, decided, hey, it's time for some therapy on this thing that I'm dealing with, right? Uh, it, I this felt thing like being I, me, <laughs> this thing that I'm dealing with. My, maybe, I, I have maybe, a name, John. Maybe, right? As as somebody who's gotten to that point, I was shocked to go that that was not as, as big of an obstacle as that was to overcome. To admit to myself, you know, I've got to do something about this. As big as the decision that was, I was stunned by the fact that I then went and now what. Right. <laughs> yeah, and in our case, it was like, okay, uh, talk to friends. Uh, does anybody have any recommendations on therapists? Uh, do they have any spots open? Uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's hard enough, like you said, to convince yourself that you're going to actually take the steps to to get some help. It's probably something you've been thinking about, but there needs to be no further barriers for entry because any other speed bumps there are just going to push you off track. The beauty of better help is. They can set you up with a real licensed therapist, typically within a couple of days. If you want to do a video chat, you can do a video chat. If you don't want to be on video, you do a call. If you don't want to be on a phone call, you can do a live chat. They'll tailor it to whatever your comfort level and your preference is. You can talk to them, real licensed therapist. And uh, BetterHelp is giving Gleeman and the Geek listeners 10% off your first month to give it a try. You go to betterhelp.com. Slash Gleeman. That's BetterHelp H E L P dot com slash Gleeman, and you'll get ten percent off your first month. We are uh, we would be coming back from our trip to Philadelphia on Monday, and one of the things that we all love to do when we come back from one of our trips is have BetterHelp or not, not BetterHelp Hello Fresh waiting for us when we uh, when we get back. 
or you know being delivered like the next day right you get you're coming back from a trip or you're just busy you know you're dealing with some projects you got school starting up here in September uh, September is always the craziest month that uh for Chrissy and I we felt like September and May everybody has to have you know uh back to school meetings for every activity they do you know the sports schedule kicks in Gary you don't have a lot of time to screw around with a trip to the grocery store how about just letting HelloFresh help you out a little bit. Yeah, the the way it works is they deliver fresh, portioned out ingredients <laughs> for your hand picked meals. They right. have a whole selection, a whole menu that you can pick from. If you're if you're vegetarian, if you're a meat yes. lover, if you got family, they have yeah. meal plans, kid friendly, uh, specifically yeah, right. tailored yep. to that. You pick what you want. It changes every week. There's a lot of good options. We both we've both used it. Yes, they send it right to your door. Good packaging, you know the cold stuff is cold. Uh, it's all pre-portioned. It, it looks and Instagrammable for, after you yes. finish it because they they include just enough easy but also and, fancy stuff. To and they make it, make it look good. very easy even for someone like me who has no clue what they're doing in the kitchen because <laughs> it's not only a recipe but it's kind of a step by step with pictures and descriptions so I can go. Oh, that's ginger. Okay, I'll cut some of that <laughs> exactly right. or slice some of that. I guess I got to uh, grate that. Huh, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then they get, like I said, pictures and everything. And you know, if you do go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Gleeman, so 50Gleeman, 50Gleeman, and use the code 50Gleeman, you get 50% off plus 15% off for the next two months. So again, go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Gleeman and use the code 50Gleeman for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. It's And uh, it's HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Okay. So that's the playoff roster stuff. Like I said, I wrote about it with Dan. I mean, we'll, I think. Oh, oh, oh I know. I know. I want to follow up on this. Okay. The, the one thing about, about shorting yourself on pitching, right? With the Twins in particular, it's going to be an interesting debate because because their four and five guys are pretty good. Like, on the one hand, this is the only time in the first two weeks of the playoffs that you're going to have three games back-to-back as opposed to, you know, a two-game set or something. You get the second series as a five-game set, so you just back-to-back games, then a day off, back-to-back games, then a day off. And while you're right that, you know, if you get to the point where you need a long reliever, it's, there's two times you need a long reliever, right? Uh, it, it, one is when you're just getting the snot kicked out of you and it doesn't really matter who that is. Yeah, right? You no. don't need to bring in, uh, right. you know, Kenta Maeda to shut down the team for you know, four innings because you're probably already down six zero. Right. But the other time you need it is if you go into extra innings. Right. If you get yeah, except you, the extra innings don't go far anymore. Well, I mean, that's that's a fair. Point. Although they've they've eliminated, I think, for the playoffs like they right. did last year you're not starting on second base. Right. So I guess what we've seen in the regular season doesn't really apply. I kind of agree with that, but here's the thing. I agree. And, you know, it would be lovely to get to the 10th inning or something and just go, oh, we'll just essentially have some guy make a start. Right. But I don't know that they necessarily would do that. I think you'd more likely see a guy go two or three innings. And there are guys who can do that anyway. Someone like Chris Paddock can do that. Certainly, well, maybe, but uh, th- 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 what I'm more worried about is, you know, you've used your high leverage guys in innings seven, eight and nine because it was a tie game or because you blew a one run lead in the ninth sure. or something like that. Right. So the high leverage guys are gone and you're like, well, I mean, we could continue to go to lower and lower leverage guys or we've got this really good number four starter, a guy that we were thinking about. Well, yeah, putting but he's going to be in the position. He's going to be on the roster. Right. My eight is going to be on the roster. Well, that's yes. not in play. I, I'm, the, I'm, the question is more. The I Josh Winders <laughs> and Cole Sands, 
Uh, Ober is not. I mean, if Ober I, I starts agree. a game, he's going to be on the right. roster. That's right. Ober is not going to be a reliever on the playoff roster. Dallas Keuchel. I, I mean, could Dallas Keuchel come in and give you a long relief appearance? Yes. Are you going to feel at all comfortable about that? No. <laughs> uh, and so, if the if the more argument more so is than if Maeda, there was a runner starting on second base, I am. <laughs> well, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I, but yeah, I mean, I don't think the argument is about Maeda. Maeda is going to be on the playoff roster one way or the other. I think it's more about. They've spent so much of the season devoting one or two or even sometimes three spots in the bullpen to Cole Sands and Josh Winder and right. Brent Hedrick and, you know, fill in the blank with that. And, you know, you can argue about how much purpose that has served during the season. I think the fact that someone like Cole Sands pitched 11 innings in 70 days on the roster right. kind of suggests even during the regular season, that's not really needed. But, I guess that's where I differ a lot from kind of the conventional wisdom with playoff rosters, which is I think teams treat them too much like a regular season roster. And I mean that even if they go from 13-13 to 15-11, but they're still making decisions on that 15-11 split based on, well, you know, we'd really like to have this guy available as a long reliever. But as you said, if you're in a spot where you're putting in a long reliever, it's over anyway. You're screwed anyway, probably. Yeah. And Sometimes. I don't think, or or you're in a extra inning spot where you're. Let's be honest. I'd rather turn to a bunch of one inning guys in extra innings than put Cole Sands or Josh Winder well, or oh, for Brent sure. Hedrick in there. Right. So, I guess, and I would argue that they haven't gotten great efficacy out of those spots even during the regular season. Of course, in the playoffs, it's just what are the odds that you're going to not be able to cover three games in three days. That's all it is with a day off before and a day off after three games in three days with an 11 man pitching staff. When keep in mind, now you're not going to see a lot of really long starts in the playoffs, but you are using your three best starting pitchers. You're not using Dallas Keuchel. You're not using spot starters where you might have to blow up the bullpen every time. And so, yes, I think the twins and other teams do tend to uh, lean towards the break glasses in case of emergency stuff. And they tend to kind of overprotect themselves from a pitching standpoint. And I get the mentality behind that, where you start to envision these scenarios. Like you said, it's the 12th inning and we've used all our medium and high leverage guys. And now we just don't have anyone. So they, they keep guys on the roster for those spots where they go, well, at least we can turn to Josh Winder for three innings here. And it's like, yes, that might come up once out of 50 playoff games. Meanwhile, you can pinch run Andrew Stevenson once in every playoff game. You can pinch hit, you know, Byron Buxton, or you can pinch hit Luplo. I just think, to me, I want to be more, I guess, uh, how can I, proactive with some of these last spots than reactive or or emergency based, hmm. and that can come back to haunt you. It's it's like Baldelli talks about this with pinch hitting uh, or starting both catchers in the lineup at the same time. It looks really really stupid. If you start a catcher at catcher and your second catcher at DH and one of them gets hurt and then you have to pull your DH and you you feel right. really silly. Yes. But is that silliness that you feel in that moment worth 162 games of wasting a roster spot on a third catcher and or just not feeling like you're able to pinch hit your backup catcher? And it's a little different situation in the playoffs because if you get into a tricky spot and the emergency glass needs to be broken and you don't have something there you're going to be in a, a difficult spot. But I guess my goal would be thinking, what are the actual, you know, when it's the 26th spot or the 25th spot and you're debating another long reliever versus Stevenson or versus, you know, whatever it may be, or another middle reliever versus long reliever, 
I guess I would just focus on let's not get theoretical here. Let's not talk big picture here about we need the innings. We need the coverage. Think to yourself, what are the actual scenarios where we would want to use this guy versus that guy? And I just think you it's it's a struggle to find actual scenarios where other than just, oh, crap, what do we do? Uh, in which case it's all hands on deck anyway with a long reliever or a low leverage arm versus, well, I can think of all kinds of scenarios where you're going to use Andrew Stevenson. I mean, we've already seen it since he's been called up. And so I don't want to come across as like the world's biggest Andrew Stevenson fan. I mean, he's <laughs> right. fine. Um, but I think just that sort of prototype or skill set to me tends to get undervalued. And you can think back to, I remember Terrence Gore on the, some of those Royals teams or Billy Hamilton has been used this way by playoff teams. I just think that is the one weapon off the bench that you can feel almost certain you'll be able to deploy in a spot that matters. And that's really what my, I don't know, my focus would be for the playoffs. Now, again, though, all this might be moot if Buxton's not ready to go. Right. In which case, Stevenson's on the roster. They get to keep eight relievers and it, it all works out. I, I do I think will, the, the Funderburk one is also another. Well, that's another good point. Like a second I, I, lefty. I'd forgotten about him. I mean, because you've got nine guys that are just absolutely going to be on the roster, right? You've got the four starting pitchers and you've got the five, the four relievers that they've used all the time and you got Varland. Right, like that. Right, right now, are those nine guys are absolutely going to be on the roster? My guess is Keuchel is on there as a. We need long innings and low leverage. You don't think you don't think Keuchel's I don't think Keuchel will be on the roster because this is right. Keuchel is a the prime example of precisely what I'm talking about. Right, I know. Yeah, which is you think I don't mean you, but in no. theoretically, you go well. It'd be great to have Dallas Keuchel for the you know if he needs to go five innings. Then think to yourself. What does the game look like in which you're calling on Dallas Keuchel? The game is a mess at that point anyway. Right. It's but, already but, an emergency. But if, it's, but if it's a mess anyway, you don't want to be burning out your all your high-leverage relievers on one-inning starts at the bottom. You want somebody to carry You absolutely do want to. I want to burn through every leveraged guy I possibly can before I turn to a long reliever. It's the opposite of the regular season. You you have no fear you, of burning through those guys. You want to burn through the one-inning guys because the one-inning guys have a better chance of not giving up a run in their one inning than Dallas Keuchel does. The, the, it but, but, in a game that's, but, but in a game that's gotten away, and I've got a three-game series, if in game one I end up you know getting a clunker from you know, whoever's pitching, right? Right. You give up six runnings in the third inning. Am I turning to... Maeda then to close it out. Now I'm now I don't have Maeda as a high leverage arm when I thought he was going to be sort of a, no, you, a you, available high leverage. You turn arm. to Louis Varlin or Chris Paddock or Maeda for two. I mean, right. whoever it doesn't like. I get what you're saying, but I, I, here's no, the thing: I don't want to pitch Durant at all. I don't want to pitch Jax at all in that situation because I'm I'm not gonna. You don't have to. I though. want them. Then when I mean, unless the starters get knocked out in the first inning. I mean, you got to at least assume Pablo Lopez and Sonny Gray are going to give you four innings, right? I mean. If you don't, you're planning around scenarios that you're you're after anyway. Like it, well, it literally doesn't matter. Like if you're getting one and two thirds innings from Pablo Lopez and Sonny Gray in playoff games, guess what? That no, series is not going well for you. <laughs> I get what you're saying. You want to avoid using good relievers in spots that don't matter. My right. point is using roster spots on spots that don't matter or planning for that to use roster spots on spots that matter is effectively the same thing. So yes, if Sonny Gray leaves after two and two thirds, you're going to end up having to pitch Paddock, Maeda, Varlin, somebody like that, Funderburk, maybe if he's the last reliever. But also the next day, then 
you weren't going to pitch those guys in hugely important spots anyway. Those are still your kind of secondary or third guys, right? I mean, yes, you don't want to pitch Duran in a game that's a blowout, but I think we're kind of overreacting to the idea of quote unquote, only having an eight man bullpen for a three game series. Like, what are we really talking about here? Oh no, the starter left early. I only have eight choices to finish this game in the bullpen. How will I ever stay away from the three guys I trust? I think you can, I don't, I think you can figure out a way. Now, again, though, this is my thoughts on it. It's been a while since I've managed a major league playoff game. I can't remember (laughs) the last time I did. Uh, and so I'm not saying this is how the twins approach thing. They may very well keep Keiko. I just would not. So if you had if you had ten spots, if you we went sixteen ten, who would yeah. your ten be? Uh, let me see. I would say right now. Yeah, I mean we don't know what Brock. Things can change if Brock Stewart comes back as Brock Stewart, right? Things could change if you know Paddock comes in there and is throwing you know, crazy right. heat. But right now, like if you playoffs start, you know, three days from now, what are mm-hmm. we? What who are your ten? Well, so, okay, so Sonny Gray, Pablo Lopez, Joe Ryan, those are your three starters. Uh, I would have my eight in the bullpen, so there's your fourth guy as a fourth starter, basically. Duran, Jax, so that's four. Okay, then you have Duran, Jax, Pagan, Theobar, Varlin, that's five. Yeah, that's nine. Uh, That leaves you one guy. If Brock Stewart is healthy, Brock Stewart's going to be on the roster. If Brock Stewart's not healthy, Chris Paddock's going to be on the roster. That's basically what it comes down to. Now, within that... Part of why I said I'd be perfectly fine with a 15-11 split is you can get both those guys. You know, right. Brock Stewart yes. can be the 10th, right. not in terms of hierarchy, but just as we're counting here. Brock Stewart can be the 10th, and Chris Paddock can be the 11th. And then if either of those guys are not good to go, then it can be Funderburk or it can be Floro, or you can go with a Winder or a Keiko or a Hedrick or something for, for long relief. And so that's what I'm fine if they go 15-11. I think 14-12 and 12 would be at the point where I'm like, eh, it's kind of what we've been talking about. That panic in his starts down in double A or in his appearances yeah. in double A. Has he been stre- stretching out a little bit? Is he at 50, 60 pitches or is yes. he at, uh, okay, he's not just going in as a one inning, two inning no, guy? He's been stretching out th- a little bit. Two or three innings so far. So, I mean, it could be that the, you know, quote unquote, you know, long relief option yes. in a low leverage situation is either, you know, Paddock or Keiko, something like that. Right. I mean, even in the, the list I gave or, you, there, or maybe Varlin. Right. Varlin can absolutely go two or three innings. Maeda can absolutely go two or three innings. Right. Chris Paddock can absolutely go two or three innings. And that's not even getting into the fact that Emilio could go two innings if you really were in a tough spot. So that's kind of how I view it. I mean, the the notion of Funderburk as a second lefty, maybe. I mean, that depends yeah. a little bit on the matchup. Yeah. There are a couple of these lineups, you know, Toronto and Seattle. So right who cares here. about yeah, a second right. lefty? They yeah, don't have right. lefties that you are that worried about. Right. I mean, they have one or two lefties in the whole lineup that you would care about. So, I mean, that'll play a factor as we get, we can have a more kind of less theoretical and more yeah. specific yeah, yeah, yeah. discussion about this yeah. when it's maybe down to two teams that they're yeah. playing. But right now there's legitimately four in the mix yeah. here that they could be playing. Yeah. Like, yeah, if you're, if you place, if you're playing Texas, I might want a second lefty for Corey Seager or whoever. But if you're playing Toronto, yeah. Who cares? Like, I wonder if no two weeks from now, when we do the Friday show, the Friday free show, mm-hmm. if we'll know if we'll have a better idea of who that last spot is going to belong to, or if we'll still be looking at two or three different teams yeah. that are there. That's it's just such a crazy race in the AOS. Just as it looks like one team is pulling away, they come back to the pack. Just as it looks like one team is falling out, they get a little bit hot. Yeah, it's you got three teams with playing, you know, twenty game above five hundred baseball right now, and. It could very well be going into that last weekend when twins still have to face Colorado in a mile high for, uh, <laughs> or not in mile high, but at Coors Field there, that 
we still might not know exactly who they're lined up with. We might have to say we might have to have this non-theoretical discussion yeah. in in on the Monday Patreon following it. You know? yeah, <laughs> like, right. literally... Although I think like Toronto has really slipped of late, although Texas slipped and has now started right. to play well again. Yeah. I do think like within a week, I bet it's because right now it's the three AOS teams or Toronto. Like theoretically, right. yes, they right. all have a decent chunk of the pie of who right. might the twins play. My guess is a week from now, it'll be three, maybe of the four. Like one of those teams is either going to rise up, up which or, I, yep, yep, yep. Or, or fall back. But right. yeah, you're right. I mean, it's very possible. They we, don't I, know. Who I've been thinking playing. that for two weeks, though. And it, every time I look around, I mean, right now you've True. got what Texas facing Toronto this weekend, right? Yes. Now that is, I mean, Toronto's lost four in a row and Texas has won four five in a row now i think i mean toronto just got swept by i don't even know who i saw the headline but uh okay let's see there's a couple other okay i mean just bullpen wise we can just we were kind of on this anyway but varlin has now pitched uh what three times in relief the stuff is precisely why they've been talking him up as a bullpen option for months now which is 98 99 even 100 with the fastball good slider and the real kind of jump in I don't know. Uh, quality of pitch is with the cutter, which is like a 92, 93 mile an hour cutter. Uh, and, you know, players and staff were like, oh, wow. I mean, we, he's been working on that. Yeah, it's a, right. That's a midseason adjustment yeah. that he made, even when he was starting, is to try to tweak that a little bit, change the characteristics of the cutter, work it more into the mix more. Cause they've been, I mean, he's given up a lot of homers. Cause even as a starter, he threw 95. The stuff is there. The velocity is there. The question is, you know, command and, and off speed stuff. And, a cutter is kind of an interesting mix between a fastball and an off-speed pitch. It's yeah. kind of that middle ground a little bit. and But it does, at 92, 93, it offers some separation in terms of timing from a 99-mile-an-hour fastball, and it also offers some movement properties that you normally get from a breaking ball. And so it can be a really good, you know, you might think, oh, he throws a four-seam fastball and a cutter. can also be a ball when you need a ground ball. You can also get a ground labor. ball, right. Yeah, right. So that's, they're really excited about Varlin, and they knew this was coming in terms of the jump his stuff makes going to the bullpen pitching two innings instead of five innings or all that. But that's only part of the equation. I mean, you have to then still have a second or maybe third pitch one against righties and one against lefties that you can rely on. But I think the cutter he's been gaining confidence in that. And he could throw that against both guys really, or both sides of the plate really. And then the other unknown with a situation like this is what we talked about earlier, which is what happens if Louis Varlin throws 20 pitches on a Tuesday? Right. Is he off limits until Friday or can he pitch the next day? Can he pitch right. the day after that? Nobody knows that just because he hasn't, he hasn't really done that. And so that's another thing. It's, it's what is the peak velocity and stuff look like? What does the pitch mix looks like, look like, and then what is his velocity and stuff look like? Not just for like a second or third inning within a game, but then like the next day or the day after that, uh, especially in a short series. I mean, ideally, you'd have kind of a group of guys that you would use in game one and game three and a group of guys that you would use in game two. And the guys that you use in one and three are going to be your really good guys. But then depending on how it plays out, I mean, if Duran pitches in game one and then they have the lead again in game two, well, you sure is how going to pitch in game two, but then you need to shift those sort of secondary guys up a little bit in game three. You know, that that's why you need more than four guys. It's just right. I don't know that you need more than seven or eight guys. Uh the other there was one other um I mean that's why Stewart is so huge. Well we talked to him. He had just thrown a few days ago at Target Field. He he had just come in from throwing live batting practice, which is kind of like a simulated game, versus Nick Gordon and Hilberto Celestino. 
and he said he was 98 with the fastball. He said he let it rip and he felt good. So we'll see. Tonight I, I, will, I will be really interested day. to see how quickly both he and to some extent Varland can ascend up this hierarchy, especially given the struggles that Jax has been having. Right. You know, I mean, they clearly have a need for a number two guy right now. Jax has not been not looked fantastic. Just hasn't. He hasn't looked great all year. I mean, he's been pretty good, pretty good most of the year. Uh, but, you know, he, they, he seems to be either incredibly unlucky on a regular basis or just kind of worn out here at the end. I think they want to give him as much they're 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 trying to balance giving him as much rest as possible with also getting him enough time to kind of figure things the hell out because, you know, he's giving things up and it's one thing for Varlin to perform. It's one thing for Stewart to perform. It's another thing for both the organization to get to the point where they trust them at that point and where, and where the player trusts themselves. In in that yeah. point, you're entering an eighth game of a playoff game and runners on first and third and one out and you've got to figure out a way to kind of wriggle yeah. out of it, protect a one run lead. That's a lot of what makes this tricky and why, yes, it's great to be having these guys potentially coming back late in the season versus the alternative of not having them in the picture at all. Right. But there's just an inherent risk there of we don't know. Like right. you might put one of these guys out there, like you said, in a in a key spot in the eighth inning and just. Uh oh, all of a sudden he's not right physically. Right. Or uh oh, he can't throw strikes because he's only pitched six times in the last right. three months. I think with Stewart, though, I would view him differently than Varlin. I agree. Just in the sense that, I mean, he's done it. Varlin has been a reliever for, but long he also at all. has less time here. Like he's going to be doing a rehab assignment but here. He's only got a week and a half or something by the time he gets back. But also, what they're asking him to do is different. I mean, he's going to be asked to basically be a one inning guy. That's and true. here's the, the truth with regard to what you said about Jax, which I agree with. I mean, we talked about Jax for like 20 minutes on the Patreon on yeah. Wednesday, Monday. Uh, at the time when Stewart got hurt in June, like late June, yeah, you're right. He was the top setup man in that in that bullpen more often than not, and Jax was the second setup man. Now they were used kind of interchangeably a little bit, and so I don't know that it's going to take that much from Stewart if healthy for them to be like, all right, well, let's just pick up kind of where we left off there, and that's a risk, sure, but. I think that's why I've used Stu- I still think they're going to use Varlin as a multi-inning, not so much long relief, just as like two innings instead of one inning. You know, I view long relief as like, I guess I would say three plus or something like that. But uh, but who knows in the playoffs? I mean, stuff gets weird in the playoffs. Before we get to the uh, the last batch of, of notes and tidbits here, let's do our last uh, sponsor, which is Game Time, the Game Time app, which uh, it'll come which in is handy. what I used this- to go to the Vikings game last night. Yeah, the okay. Vikings slash Eagles game last night. Uh, and it I will come in handy game. the last home stand of the year, and then for for playoff tickets yeah. too. Because game time, their their whole thing, their their uh, what they pride themselves on is hard to find tickets, not only sporting events but concerts yeah. and shows and stuff, and then last minute tickets also, which can be one and the same. But yeah, bonus will be sitting on a bar stool. He'll say, "All right, time to go walk over to Target Field." And on his walk over, he'll pull up the Game Time app and and get his tickets. By the yeah, time and that's he gets one to way to gate. But but let me talk a little bit of how I used it this time too. Like in this particular case, listen, it's a crazy. It was a crazy market for tickets. It's it's the Eagles home opener. That's going to be a crazy one anyway. A Thursday night game, etc. It was absolutely nuts to try to get tickets to this thing. And one of the nice things about that app is they've got that um, map view, right? Where you've got a map. Uh, you so you can kind of you know, uh, pinch to pinch, pinch to apart, zoom in and see, okay, I could either take uh, this 
seat in row 29 over here near the end zone or this seat over at the 50, but oh, that's a hundred dollars more or whatever. Like it's right. It's it's also just a good, solid working app for kind of drilling down and doing some research on things. You You should be downloading it and taking a look at it. Even if you don't use it just to get an idea of what, what's available out there. And once you download the game time app, you can create an account and then use the code Gleeman and you will get $20 off your first purchase. Yeah. Terms apply, create an account on the game time app, redeem the code Gleeman for $20 off download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Uh, all right. So yeah, the one reliever I don't think is going to be in the picture. Here's Alcala. Yeah. Which he was I the mean, one we had the most. Right. Skeptical most concerned about anyway. Right. I just don't see him having enough time to, I mean, A, just kind of perform, but yeah. beyond that, just like convince them or get back into their, reestablish himself in the, in the pecking order because he was the one who really wasn't in the pecking order much to begin with. And so he has a much longer road. Like Agreed. I said with Brock Stewart, you can just say to Brock Stewart in your mind, well, we'll just put him right back where he was. Right. Well, if you put, Alco right back where he was, he probably isn't on the playoff roster anyway. Even if he's <laughs> yeah, exactly so, right. Yeah. Uh that's where the, the bullpen stands. I, this I, is uh, gonna regarding Paddock and Stewart as well. Another thing to kind of keep in mind is if they get to that, listen, we're we're treating the first uh, you know, October third as sort of the deadline date for everybody to get everything done, right? And that it is like you've got to survive that first round. But after that, you know, another if you get through that series, another round starts, you know, half a week later. And or uh, the the following weekend, you might have one of these guys who's available, not available, or you're not quite sure about him by the third, but maybe by the eighth or something like that, you feel a little bit more confident for the second round or the third round. If uh, they should advance you just to the final four of the preposterous statement <laughs> tournament for um, September fifteenth <laughs> in year uh, twenty, if not advancing past the first round. Being like, well, here's let's talk. I'm about feeling the good round. about this team. I'm feeling good yeah. about this team. I'll, you might. Your blood I do have to remind. My, I do have to remind myself. Night, that, might... I do have to remind myself that even though you know they are kind of cruising to a division title, this team is still like eight games over 500 or seven games over 500 yeah. is all. And there's seven games over 500 in a bad division, which you know suggests they're really closer to a 500 team. Yeah. And they're going to be playing you know, one of three teams that are, uh, you know, 20 games over 500. So That's I should true. probably try to keep that in mind. But also who cares? Yeah. They got right. Yeah. Pablo Lopez and Sonny Gray on the mound for the first yeah. two. Yeah. They got guys healthy who weren't healthy in the first half lineup wise. They've, yeah. by the way, Played like a 95 win team in the second half. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, you know, we've seen the opposite plenty of times where the Twins are hot heading into the playoffs. Twins have a better record than their opponent, and it doesn't matter that way. It certainly can play to their advantage by not mattering this way. Uh, I talked about Lopez. We talked about this a lot on the Patreon Monday or whatever. Office eight shutout, 14 strikeout, zero walk performance. Right. He has a 180. (laughs) Team loss. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. He has a 189 ERA in his last start. He has been safe for like a four-start stretch in May where he kind of scuffled a little bit. He has been above and beyond what they hoped to be getting, which was a frontline starter. They knew he was good, but they kind of immediately tweaked his pitch mix, essentially invented a new pitch, which is a a sweeping curveball slider that he's now used a quarter of the time that he had never used before. He still has the great changeup. They've also added like a mile and a half or two miles an hour to his fastball. 
and they've kept a guy who has a long history of, of shoulder and arm problems healthy. I mean, he's going to set a career high for innings. He's already passed the 200 strikeouts with a three or four more starts to go. Uh, you know, they, they thought they were getting a good pitcher. Part of the reason they specifically targeted him and part of the reason they were willing to pay such a premium in trading Luis Arise for him was they thought, well, he's not just a good pitcher. Now we think we can change this and change that or keep him healthier or add some velocity. And on almost every front there, it's worked. Now it has to work for the next three weeks and then into the playoffs for that to really matter. But the, the Pablo Lopez side of that trade has worked out. Yeah you know, the 90th percentile outcome or whatever so far. And you toss in the fact that they managed to quickly sign him to a three-year contract extension too, right. yes. as he's what, 28, 29 years old or something. I will also say that part of the reason they were willing to trade Luis Arise was not that they thought anything poorly of Luis Arise as a player or a person. He was, he was beloved yeah. uh, on and off the field, but the concern with Luis Arise was his knees, yeah. his defensive, uh, versatility and his ability to not physically wear down in the second half, which essentially happened every year with the twins. Either he went on the IL for a long stretch or he played through and limped around and just the, the power disappeared and the batting average sunk. I looked up his second half numbers. He's actually been hitting a little bit better the last week or yes, so. He but has. Yeah. He has a 740 OPS in the second half. And I'm not here to tell you that's horrible. Right. Or anything. Yeah. He's hitting 297. That's just still right. pretty good. Right. For somebody who's, you know, but perceived as slumping, yes, right? Absolutely. But it it goes along with why they were willing to trade him, which is yeah. you know they kept saying this thing didn't look good for them at the beginning. I mean Lopez got off to a good start, but then Lopez struggled a little bit, and Luis Ruiz was hitting four ten right. through That's two right. and a half months. Right. People were like, oh wow, they screwed up. I mean, at the end of this first season of this trade, which it's going to be judged on multiple seasons, obviously, Luis Ruiz is going to have a eight hundred OPS and a, I don't know one twenty five OPS plus, right. and Pablo Lopez is going to throw 200 and something innings with a 325 ERA and probably start game one of a playoff series. And so I know it's a lot more fun to be like, oh, the Twins really ripped this team off in a trade. And I know there have been plenty of opposite cases where it's like people get so depressed and obsessed about the Twins being ripped off in trades. And, you know, that's fine. It doesn't hurt the twins if Luis arises good for the the Miami Marlins. You know what I mean? Well, and, And, and And the Twins have found you know, production yes. to replace Luis Arise, you know, with between Kurt, listen, he was going to play at best second base, probably first base. And now they've got Kirilov at first base and, you know, some combination of Polanco and Julian at second base, right. uh, you know, part of what you have to do uh, to build a team is, you know, take those assets that you have maybe too much of and trade them for some of the assets that you don't have enough of. And the fact that, you know, I think it's a huge part of it that Pablo Lopez was willing to sign a three-year deal. Now it's got to work out. He's got to stay healthy, but you know, when you get, we got 200 strikeouts in a year, that means you're throwing a lot of innings and he's been a horse uh, for this team. And having that guy at the top of your rotation for the next four years is a really nice luxury to have uh, for a team. So especially a team that has struggled to find guys right. like that essentially right. since post Johan. Right. Uh, I will. I, I mean, just put it this way. Like, again, I'm not attempting to criticize Luis Rice, but I think this is more a reaction to people trying to pass verdict on this trade two months in or whatever. It's it's changed a lot since then. Uh, but like you said, let's flip. Let's say you undid the trade today. 
I'm not sure the Twins would have a better record. I mean, yeah. they're probably going to win the division either way. But think of it this way. Game one of a playoff, where's Luis Arise playing in this lineup? Now, I'm not here to tell you Alex Kirloff is better than Luis Arise, but right. I think you would probably be playing Luis Arise at DH or first base in place of Kirloff because right. you're going to be starting Polanco at yeah. second base. Polanco's having a really great second half and a good overall season, and he's a much better defender than Luis Arise. And then Ed Julian, go look at their on-base percentage and slinging percentage. They're essentially identical, even though they get there in much different ways. Right. Arise and Julian, I don't know that you'd want to, you know, maybe you prefer a rise stylistically over Julian in the DH spot against righties, but it's not going to be a huge upgrade. The flip to that is now try to take Pablo Lopez out of this rotation for the playoffs. Right. Yes. How good do you feel about that? You have Sonny Gray. is probably starting game three, which. Right. Exactly. You know. And so that's you can debate all that. And I'm not saying it, it's some huge game changer either way, but that's the, like you said, that's precisely the line of thinking that led to the trade, which is we have a much bigger need always at the top of the rotation <laughs> right. than we do a left-handed bat at the bottom of the defensive spectrum, even when that left-handed bat is incredible. And I think that's sort of played out over the course of the season. And I think for what, the, I can't speak to the Marlins end of it. And they might make the playoffs, too. They're still in the mix for a wild card. But I can speak to the Twins' end of it, which is they absolutely needed 200 good innings atop the rotation more than they needed you know, 500 at-bats atop the lineup, given the way their other left-handed bats have have stepped up and performed here. And so, I don't know. It's uh, we, we'll, re we'll relitigate this thing, I'm sure, every six months for the next sure. 20 years or whatever. Yes. But right. uh, it has changed quite a bit. Uh, let's see. And also, I was watching the Marlins the other day and I'm sad to say that Luis Arise is like can barely run again I mean it's we've seen it play out year after year with I mean, the Twins so, yeah he, he hit 236 in uh in August I thought maybe he was about done yeah uh, now he's hitting three something so it's not slowing yeah. down his hitting too much but yeah you're, he's just it's a long he's season the, and he's got bad knees so these were the these were the fears with him uh okay then uh you mentioned that. Kirilov uh-huh uh I, I, I'm going to be very interested to watch how Kirilov hits over the next two weeks, two plus weeks. I mean, he's only been back five games or something, but it hasn't absolutely, it hasn't been embarrassing, but you know, also hasn't lit it up the way, you know, we were, we saw him do beforehand. I wouldn't expect him to necessarily light it up after, you know, a month off month and a half off, but this lineup looks a lot different. If Kirilov is, you know, a number three, number four hitter, as opposed to a number seven, number eight hitter, which is you know what he looks like now. So. Yes, I agree. I would very much caution with Kirilov, uh, especially in the small samples here. Do not get caught up. Uh, I'm trying to look up his, uh, his monthly splits, but don't get caught up in the box score. Don't get caught up in whether he went 0 for three or three for three. Look at, did he drive the ball, yeah. you know, a, a ball in terms of uh, faith yeah. in him heading yeah. into the Fair. playoffs. I will take a ball uh, robbed. Sure. You know, double robbed and turned sure. into an out on the warning track. Right. Over three bloop singles. Right. You yes. know what I mean? And right. so exactly right. Yep. In his first couple games back, he did scold a few balls to the to the fence that got caught. His hits actually have been of the cheaper variety. Right. And so you yeah. look and you go, well, how do you balance all that out? All I'm looking to see from Alex Kirilov, is he hitting the ball hard? And is he, at least on some of those hard hit balls, elevating the ball? Right. Yes. I don't care if he hits 100. I don't care if he hits 400 uh, over you know, 10, 12 games, whatever it ends up being that he starts. I just want to see, is he is he driving the ball? And 
to me, I mean, this is always sort of true, but it's definitely true. Now I'll take, I will place much more faith in his expected batting average, his expected sure. slugging, or just the raw exit velocity numbers. than you know, well, did he get three hits yesterday? Yeah, Cause as sure. we've seen, some of his hits are not that encouraging and some yeah. of his outs are, are much more encouraging. Really encouraging so, yeah. But I, I mean, agree. They, I mean, he's, He's one of the biggest. I, I mean, honestly, if I if you had to just say, what's the biggest X factor for the pitching staff and for the lineup right now? Not in terms of who the best players are, but in terms of the widest gap between a good outcome and a bad outcome, and what that could mean for the Twins. I think it's Kirilov in the lineup and, and Brock Stewart. Yeah, for the pitching staff. Yeah, I agree. Because if Brock Stewart is healthy, he's your best reliever or your second best reliever. And if Kirilov is healthy, he's one of your two or three best hitters. Right. But there's very good, decent chance that neither of those things happen. Right. That's right. In yep. which case, you know, you got you got some changes to make. Um, let's see. There was one last. Well, I wrote um, yesterday about how the Twins' depth. I mean, this is something we've talked about throughout the season, but how the Twins' depth has really kind of rescued them. We talked about it at the top of the show. War of attrition, how, yeah. Yes, and <laughs> yeah. how Cleveland is the one that has faded because right. of injuries, not as many as the Twins have had. But the remarkable thing about this season is the Twins are playing some of their best baseball down the stretch. They have an excellent record since the All-Star break. They have a winning record in September so far, despite playing some pretty tough opponents. Mm-hmm. You know, the other teams in the division have completely fallen by the wayside. And But the remarkable thing is, they haven't been as injured as last year when they led the league in days lost to the injured list. But I look, they're sixth most in MLB in terms yeah. of days lost. And anybody who's listened to this show or even just listened to today's episode, we spend half of every show talking about, okay, well, here's the bullpen guys who are trying to come back. What's the latest with Buxton? Is Michael Taylor coming? I mean, there's just never a shortage of injuries to update on and to you know plan out and to try yeah. to do the math on for the roster. And yet in, in, contrast to last season they're playing their best baseball at a time when the depth is being tested the most and that's all because of well a the decision like we just talked about to pay a premium for pablo lopez even though you had a full rotation yeah at the time and that somewhat controversially pushed bailey over to triple a to start the season it pushed louis varlin down even further on the depth chart well, where would they be without that? And how much more confident are they in the playoffs because of Pablo Lopez? And then on the hitting side, and for that matter, Keiko, who right. when yeah, they signed right. Keiko in June, it was like, what the hell is this for? Like, what right. do they need Dallas Keiko for? Right. Dallas Keiko is going to end up making like eight, 10 starts for them and, and at least holding that spot right. in the line and not, you know, completely giving it up there and saving some other people innings probably. But then the the big part is just think of the lineups go listen to the episodes from this time last year. And we're talking <laughs> right. about, you know, there were outfields. They trot out against a left-handed pitcher. It'd be like Nick Gordon, Jake cave and Mark Contreras, all right. lefties against the left-handed. Like they were just putting out lineups that were like triple A yeah. managers. Wouldn't put this up just because they literally had no other options at that point. And now you compare it. And we're talking about, I mean, they have too many hitters. How can they fit this guy into the playoff roster? How can right. they, yeah. and, and Baldelli has taken to mixing and matching and pinch hitting and all that stuff. But the the four guys that they added as, you know, kind of bench, platoon, veteran role players, Solano, Willie Castro, Kyle Farmer, yeah. and Michael Taylor. Yeah. And as they were adding them, like one a month, basically, for the whole offseason, it was very clear what they were doing. They said at the beginning of the offseason, this is what we're doing. We need better depth. Right. Yeah. And I know the Carlos Correa stuff was the headline, obviously. 
But right. they, I mean, they, within that, now they didn't all go well. They also added Joey Gallo to what was a log jam of lefty corner bats. And at the time we were like, I don't know why, what's the right. point of that? That obviously didn't work out well, but that wasn't another attempt to really hoard depth, even when you think you already had depth. And then for that matter, signing Christian Vasquez right. to yeah. when you already had Ryan Jeffers as a potential starting catcher. Now that hasn't yeah. worked out well in the yeah, sense the, the, that Vasquez, the signing of the starters hasn't worked particularly well, even Correa to some extent, right. <laughs> the, right. but the backups have all worked out pretty well. Right. But that's, what's amazing is you're sitting here after a season in which it all collapsed because of injuries and lack of depth and Buxton's been injured for the whole second half, right? Jose Miranda has been injured basically for the whole season. And Carlos Correa has played through an injury and played the worst of his career. And you go, well, did they collapse again? I mean, were they even in position to collapse again? Yeah, actually they're coasting to the playoffs because Willie Castro is like a legit team MVP candidate. Donovan Solano has been one of their best hitters and is probably going to end up like second or third on the team and at bats for the whole season. Kyle Farmer has, you know, going to end up starting 70 games across the infield, including right now filling in for, for Correa and is going to post a, you know, above average OPS. And then Michael Taylor basically was supposed to split time in center field is going to end up being the starting center fielder for, I don't know, 110, 120 games. He's already got 20 homers. He certainly has played gold glove caliber defense, and he might, I'm going to guess, start game one of a playoff series. And so right. the the their ability to identify that as a weakness, which was easy coming off last season, and to actually do it all while also pursuing you know, the Pablo Lopez trade, re-signing Correa, signing Vasquez. Now, not all of them worked out, like I said, but think of where this team would be without Solano, Castro, yeah. Farmer, Taylor. It would look a lot like last year's team in September, which is to say, not not real pretty. Let me let me add a different part to that as well. Uh, the fact that they are you know still on the high end in terms of overall injury days, right? And we yeah. still, feel, but we feel so much better about this team now than we did the last two years, right? Speaks to two things. First of all, how absurd it was last year and the year before yeah. that. I mean, it was it wasn't you know. It, it's easy to say, ah, well, every every baseball team suffers injuries. No, not like that. I mean, that that was just such an extreme result of where things were. Y- you can't you can't overestimate how impactful that was. Right. The second thing I'll bring up though is though, you know, as a result of that, they did make some changes in the training. Like that was one of the priorities uh, going into the off season as well. They made some changes there. And I don't know how much that helped or hurt, but I will say this: even even compared to a year where they weren't beat up with injuries, which is, you know, 2019, you take a look at overall for 2019, they didn't have that many injuries, but they had them all in September. Right. Right. Uh, What we have seen this year is the injuries happened, but the injuries happened early. We didn't hear, see the injuries start piling on in September the way they have seemingly every year since they have been, since they regained competitive, being competitive in 2019. It, It wasn't just, the overall number of days, it's that they all seem to be backloaded into you know the the most competitive uh, months of the season for a pennant race, and then also carrying into the postseason. Well, yeah, I mean, I think about 2019 is like you said, they were relatively healthy in 2019, especially right. in the lineup. But then yeah. by the time they got to the playoffs, yeah. Pineda had been suspended. <laughs> right, a couple pitchers Kep- were Kepler hurt. was beat up. Like yeah. it was all kinds Kep- of I stuff. Mean, 
Garver was hurt. Kepler was hurt. Crone got hurt. Arise right. got hurt. Right. And so and Buxton was was out. I think uh, <laughs> right. in 2019. Now I will caution: there's still two weeks left. Well, that's fair. Fair point. So let's not start <laughs> asking each other's D's here. To quote uh, Winston Wolf. But the popsicles. Yeah. Uh, uh, I agree. But but, but let, let me add one more thing about that. We absolutely saw a priority made to get people rest early or to give them additional rest early to not rush back from injuries and so on. Right. And in fact, going into the, going into spring training, you know, we had questions about three on day one of spring training. We had questions about three guys and whether or not they would be on the roster on opening day. And they were Buxton and Polanco and Kirilov. Right. And we get to September and I'm, I think the jury's still out on Kirilov a little bit, but it's not this wrist injury or at least seemingly not the wrist injury that right. he's dealing with anymore. Right. They were very conservative with those guys. Finally brought them back. Uh, Royce Lewis, kind of a similar thing, kind of coming back in the middle of the year, et cetera. Nobody's rushing anybody in April or May or June. And the fact the one person who maybe rushed himself. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to speak too much about Buxton and him being on the opening day roster, but and eventually running out of gas. You know, he is not the one who we're going to see in September being healthy. And I don't know if that was a change in the organizational philosophy. I don't know if that's Papa Resta's impact on it, but it's not just the total number of injury days. It's also when are those injury days happening? And there is no bigger time for those injuries to to, to be seen seemingly. I mean, we saw, you know, Michael Taylor not trying to play through a hand. Now, They've had some luxury on that too. Cleveland has not been particularly good. They, uh, you know, to some extent they could live without it, but even like putting Buxton on the injured list, August 3rd with a hamstring, like originally that was a hamstring problem, right? That was what was reported August 3rd or something. They seem to be trying to be proactive about keeping people healthy in September. And, and if that means sacrificing an extra week or two early in the season right. to make sure that they get to September when the high leverage games really begin in October, where the really high leverage games begin, they have prioritized that seemingly. And, you know, to to a large extent, it's worked, even though they are sixth overall. We don't feel like this is a beat up team heading into the postseason. Right. I mean, on some level, the guys are just going to get hurt. You can't. Right. You know, right. if you're going to lose the six most days to injuries, you're going to lose days to injuries. Right. But I agree with what you're saying. I think they they took a longer a bigger picture view or a marathon based view right. of the season, which I think you should always do. I think for the most part, Baldelli and the front office and stuff have always taken that. I think it's not necessarily something that the training staff last year uh, kind of set, put in motion or followed through with to the, the level that they would have liked. Now I will also say for the old trainer, Michael Salazar, who was fired. I don't know what he could. I mean, there was some right. stuff. What do you just? He's not a miracle right. worker. Yeah, I don't. Only I, don't I, I don't mean to beat him up on this or but, you know give too much credit, right? But I think your larger point is a good one. And look, you got to get through these last two weeks, or none of this matters. I mean, in 2019, two weeks before the playoffs, some of the guys we just mentioned who were out were not out yet. Two weeks, so these right. last two weeks can be big. But I think the bigger thing is when you're resting guys random days off i mean we see how people freak out about that with buxton and correa or you know whoever's off for a day two days off or you don't pinch hit a guy because you want to give him a full day off and early in the season right. people are throwing hissy fits every time that happens and then bigger thing is you know we're not going to push kirloff to be on the opening day roster we're not going to push right. polanco to be on the opening well right. nobody likes that it's delayed gratification i mean it's a 
it, right. it, that's what it is. And in the moment, that's never good. I mean, nobody likes to go, oh, this guy's not right. going to play today. Right. Or right. this guy's going to take the first month off. You're not doing that to feel good in the moment. You're doing that because you have some level of confidence or faith that in the long term, that gratification will arrive. It will be delayed, but it will arrive. And I think it's not so much that they had a different approach to that in past years or last year. It's just they've either been more effective at it, gotten right. luckier with it, maybe some combination I, of both. I don't know what it is. Well, here's what right. I know. It ain't just about the total number of days. Right. It's about having those guys available in September. I've, this is as good. I, th- even compared to 2019, I feel better right now about where this what this team looks like and its health going into the postseason than I did even back then. Yeah, and I mean, they clinched you, early enough back then, too. If you just say, if you can wave a magic wand and give everyone full health, today right who would be on the playoff roster in that circumstance who might not be healthy enough for the playoff roster in reality well buxton obviously he's in some question and then miranda is the other one yeah i guess he's been a non-factor because he hurt his his shoulder in spring training basically which by the way they announced he's undergoing surgery right he had a yesterday i think yeah um but beyond that they're still hoping to get most of the guys back. I mean, most right. of the hitters are back. Right. They're still hoping to get Stewart and Paddock. Now, obviously, Tyler Malley. <laughs> right. But, I mean, that's not so that's much a good a, point. an issue of pain management or anything like that. <laughs> right. He yes, right. tore his, he blew out his elbow. Right. Uh, and so I think you got to keep him healthy for the last two weeks. But the guys that you would want on the playoff roster are at least in position to be on that playoff roster, assuming these next – this next week or so in terms of bringing guys back from the IL, which is never a safe assumption, but they seem relatively, relatively confident that, but yeah, it's uh, just the, in terms of depth, here are a couple other stats that I found. They're only going to have one hitter, Correa, get to 500 plate appearances this year, which has never happened in the history <laughs> of the Minnesota twins. Wow. That's what you need to qualify for the batting title. Right. 502. Wow. They've never had fewer than two guys qualifying for the batting title they're only oh. going to have one now kepler's second and he's never going to get to 500 uh huh. down the stretch so they've had one guy essentially as an everyday player and even that guy has needed time off and has right. been playing through an injury yeah yeah the, actually he's he's the exception to what we were just talking about right he's clearly Thank over uh, right he's clearly playing through crap that he probably should not right. have been playing through and so right. he's going to get to 500 plate appearances he already is except his performance is not going to be at what you like which is like you said, the counter example right. to how they've handled everyone else. Right. And then the flip side to that stat is this stat, which is 17 different hitters have already gotten 150 plate appearances <laughs> or more for the twins, which is tied for the most in the history of the team. So you have a new team record in terms of only one guy getting 500 plate appearances, and you have tied a team record already with two weeks to go in terms of the number of players who are getting at least 150 plate appearances. And that goes to all those depth guys you signed, and it right. goes to the three rookies that we've talked about so much, yep. and it it just speaks to their number two, number three, and sometimes number four guys on the depth chart this season right. from day one, going back to the offseason. One of their biggest goals, other than you know signing Correa and trading for Lopez and all that, but one of their biggest goals was how do we make it so that when the first guy goes down, the second guy is a starting caliber player. And then when that second guy, if he also goes down, the third guy is not just some random dude right. who is a triple A, you know, veteran or whatever. The third guy is actually, you know, he's not going to be a good 
everyday player, yeah. but he's, he's at least at a least competent a bat, major league bat backup yes. or a prospect that's got exactly. some upside. Right. Yeah. And right. So that to me is the you know the pitching has been the biggest reason that they they are where they are. Honestly, the biggest reason they are where they are is Cleveland stinks, probably. But, <laughs> that's probably true. But the the uh, the biggest difference in terms of just the experience of watching this team down the stretch this year versus last year, I mean, it is night and day. Yes. You got guys in the lineup now who they were meant for smaller roles, probably Taylor, someone like that, Solano, someone yeah. like that. But they've stepped up into bigger roles. They've performed at career best levels, and when you do enter the playoffs mostly healthy you're at a bigger advantage having yeah. had to rely on those guys and having to rely on the three rookies because now for game one of a playoff you go well if there's a righty on the mound yeah you've got some all levers. of a sudden yep. you got julian leading off where that wasn't even in the picture you then if they turn to a lefty well all of a sudden you can unload the bench with solano and farmer and guys like that if you want to pinch run you can do willie castro like they're they're better off for not only did they make it through the season in better shape because of the depth, which was the goal, but now that they've actually gotten to that point, now the finished product that you can roll out there for the playoffs, you got guys who have, uh, you know, gotten experience and bigger roles than you ever expected. And so now you have more options and more buttons to push to build a good lineup. Whereas let's say somehow they had a, avoided collapsing in September of last year and they'd actually, you know, limped into the playoffs somehow. Right the lineups that you would have put out there for game one of a series, they would have been ridiculous looking. You wouldn't right. even even been able to platoon guys, yeah. Yeah. let alone have quality guys up and down the lineup. It'd and be so, Randy Dobnik starting in Yankee Stadium kind of absurd. Basically, <laughs> right. for like a whole roster. Right, right. that's yeah. right, yeah. Uh, and then here's the last uh, stat on that, and then I'll uh, we can shut up. Last year, they gave 28% of their plate appearances and 44% of their innings to players who had a OPS plus or an ERA plus below 90, which is to say they were <laughs> 10% or more right. worse than the average player. These are right. not good. These are bad players. Right. 28% of the hitting and 48, 4% of the pitching. I mean, that's yeah. absurd. You add that together and it's like yeah. a little over a third of all the playing time on the whole team this year, 11% of the hitting and 16% of the pitching. Yeah. So you've gone from like 35 to 40% of your all playing time for the entire season going to guys who shouldn't be playing to, you know, 15%, which I think is certainly on the low end of all teams. It's definitely on the low end of teams that have had so many injuries. And I don't think this front office has been flawless. I think some of the bigger moves have not worked out for them. I think some of the small moves have not worked out for them going back to the offseason. But the one thing they set out to do and did exactly as they hoped and has worked out even better in most cases is we're going to build some depth. We're yeah. not going through this again. Uh, we're going to think we're going to be less injured. And that did prove to be the case, but we're not going to count on not being injured at all. And when we do get injured, we're not going to be turning to, I don't want to say any names because it's going to right. be sad, but yeah, yeah, you don't have right. to turn to someone who has no business starting games down the stretch or into the playoffs. You can turn instead to, Veteran guys who are role players right. who have asked to step up into bigger roles can actually do the job. And I think that has been, I, I'm very curious to see this off season, this upcoming off season, if they take the same oh, approach, yeah, right. even though it's not as big of a need. Now you would, you've had better health. You have some of the rookies when you've, that you and can, you've got a crowded roster, right? Yeah. And so I wonder, <laughs> you know? I do think they're going to try to trade some bats for arms. I think that makes sense, but are you still going to try to fill the bench with, 
the Donovan Solanos and the Kyle right. Farmers and the Michael Taylors versus some guys who you might not be as comfortable with right. playing, you know, three, 400 at bats or something. That's like that. Andrew Stevenson instead of Michael Taylor, you know, which right. are you, which are you to go? I with, mean, honestly, right? Andrew Stevenson, they'd have played him every day in center field last year. If they had had him on the roster, right. Yeah, right, like, that's yeah, the thing. Yeah, like yeah, that's where they yeah. were at last year. Like yeah. I got, they would have killed for Andrew Stevenson right. yeah. last September. And now we're arguing, can they find a spot for him on the entire roster? Right. Yeah. And that's, that's the difference here. All right. Um, Thank you. Uh, we'll be doing Monday morning. We'll have a show where we'll uh, wrap Monday up. afternoon, actually Monday afternoon. We'll have a show <laughs> yep. where we'll wrap up the, uh, what they did in Chicago. We'll have hopefully some, some key injury updates. We might have some clarification on potential playoff opponents. Uh, the magic number by that point might be about three, who knows? Uh, and then Wednesday we'll either do a mailbag, something like that. But either way, we would love for everyone to join us on the Patreon side. Like I said, we're closing in on 4,000 subscribers. So if you're thinking yeah. to yourself, I don't want to join this weird club. Like how many people are even in this club? <laughs> well, 4,000, 3850 or something are in Join the 4,000 weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get us to 4,000 by the playoffs. That, that sounds good, right? Uh, and yeah, you, you join up. You're going to get Monday and Wednesday episodes down the stretch. And then once we get to the playoffs, we're probably going to be doing pre and post game episodes i mean pretty much every day maybe even multiple yeah. in, in some days yeah. so i think you'll enjoy it if you enjoy this show it's p-a-t-r-e-o-n patreon.com slash gleeman come join us get us to four thousand. we'll count down this magic number together and then we'll uh we'll see what the hell happens in the, in the playoffs good or bad it'll be uh it'll be fun to cover and thanks to our sponsors that kept uh, that keep some of these free on Fridays uh, Harry's and HelloFresh and Soda Stick and BetterHelp and GameTime uh, those of you who are, are not on the Patreon we'll talk to you next Friday uh, those of you who are on Patreon we'll talk to you Monday bye 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 Barney <laughs> I love you Demon. <laughs>